Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Popcorn Isn't Real with me, your host, Torvald, and me, your other host, Leif Eric. So today we're going to be talking about Space Camp. Yeah, so Space Camp, 1986. It was directed by Harry Weiner. The screenplay for Space Camp was by Clifford Green. He's only written five things, <laughs> including... Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, the oh, year before. What? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Only the dude, greatest dinosaur my hero. movie ever. <laughs> I would say that we should find a theory for that movie, I know, but then but, we'd have to watch it. Well, and I don't know about you, but I certainly don't remember that movie. I only remember the movie we taped over it with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so everybody knows, Baby Secret of the Lost Legend very probably little known movie. I doubt anyone's heard of it. Our dad, he took Baby Secret of the Lost Legend and taped over it with a different movie. <laughs> he liked it so little <laughs> that that well, okay. movie was only worth the space that he could use on it. <laughs> a little background. Our dad, he liked to make family-friendly edits of movies for us. And he did this using old school method of two VCRs where you can linear edit in real time using two VCRs taping from one to the other right. and cutting stuff so out. So you would just pause the recording on the one that's recording for any bad part and then restart right. the recording again when the bad part's yeah. over. And to his credit, he picked out movies that I think were very good for kids, but ultimately did have a lot of things that weren't kid-friendly. Yeah, like, like Terminator. Most movies... <laughs> well, Terminator, <laughs> sure. But like, it was good Terminator that he picked 2, some of those. definitely, though. Terminator 2 is a fantastic kids movie if you take out the gore and stuff. Yeah, no, it's great. But like the, the Zucker films, right? Uh, Zucker and Abrams. Oh, Zucker, yeah, yeah. Zucker Comedies, and Abrams. yes, yes. He made um, a lot of so like, really yeah, good family Airplane and Top Secret and stuff like that, which are really like the the humor in that movie in those movies is for the most part it's very juvenile humor, <laughs> except for random like jokes that aren't that are totally adult. So still <laughs> juvenile adult humor, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and those movies are great. I love those movies. But what actually happened was that our dad was thinking of editing Top Secret for us. He was like, are there any movies you guys don't like? <laughs> and I told him I was like, well, there's this movie, Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, where like it's supposed to be a kid's movie, but the guy swears in it. And as a kid, I, I was really offended by that. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> there, there's a, a husband and wife team who aren't really getting along very well. And they're talking to some like native tribe in Africa. You I remember think? this movie a lot better than I do. I remember nothing about it. They're sitting around and the tribe is giving them some soup to eat and he's like, are there dead ants in this? And then he tastes it and he goes, oh, live ants. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Dude, that's a good line. <laughs> oh. I, why so, would anyone ask, are there dead ants in this? <laughs> I think I, I dead don't remember would the... be like the default state for any food. <laughs> Well, but as it turned out, <laughs> they were not dead. I don't remember that line exactly. But <laughs> Maybe they just anyway, so in. <laughs> Dude, yeah, this movie he sounds set great. it down. <laughs> <laughs> so he turns to their guide, and he t he starts complaining about his wife, and then the guide says something along the lines of. 
Well, personally, if it were me, I'd whip the bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> about this guy's wife. Well, and as a kid, that offended me. That is a very out-of-place exchange in a kid's movie. <laughs> right. Oh, it's an odd thing to say. So I didn't like that as a kid. I thought that wasn't a nice thing for him to say. At least it wasn't the main character saying it about his own wife, but still. Um, and so I told Dad that that movie's bad for that reason. And he was like, well, okay. And he just taped over it. I don't know that he had any opinions necessarily about Baby's Secret of the Lost Legend, but I did. <laughs> Well, you didn't like it, and you got rid of it forever. <laughs> it was gone. Yep. All right. Well, now anyway, that's everyone not what knows we're a little more about. about Baby Seeker of the Last Legend. So back to Space Camp. <laughs> Screenplay was also by KCT Mitchell. Another interesting thing about this movie, Joaquin Phoenix, this is his first role, and he was credited as Leaf Phoenix, which I, I don't know, maybe that was his name. Yeah, well, yeah, his brother is River Phoenix. Right, they got cool names. Yeah. Like, with a last name like Phoenix, you can't go wrong. <laughs> like, that's such a cool <laughs> yeah. name, dude. Um, one other interesting thing, uh, and this is, you know, it's a little bit of a, a dark tone to it, but uh, sadly, the very first time the crew ever viewed the final cut of Space Camp was literally one hour after the Challenger disaster, where the Challenger spaceship blew up. Yes, and that was a problem <laughs> Yeah, and for like, their movie. <laughs> it's crazy. So the Challenger disaster, uh, it was sadly, it was caused by like a, a weakened rubber O-ring in the, right. Uh, the right solid rocket booster, which caused the rocket to mm -hmm. break up uh, mid-launch, right. killing the entire crew, including a teacher who was going to teach her right. class from space. Like, dude, that sucks. Right, and this was a big mission because it was one of the first times like an amateur was going into space. Yeah, and like and arguably this set back space, not arguably like, tourism. definitively like they <laughs> yeah. shut down the space program for two and a half years after that, and then like right. never even considered ever ever bringing a uh, a civilian right. ever again. Only now are we finally getting space tourism. I know kind it's of so sad, dude. The, like the idea this of killed the space industry, but amazingly. Space Camp's plot hinges around an error with the right solid rocket booster, which causes the ship to launch yes. with a Space Camp teacher and her class. <laughs> right, so, a bunch of amateur people right. going in space. <laughs> and they went ahead and released it that year on schedule, which you might argue is just, you know, poor timing and horrible taste. <laughs> um, but yeah, Did they release it on schedule? Yeah, I thought no. I read in the IMDb trivia that they did delay it. I mean, it released, I think, uh, like six months later. Um, same year, though. Poor uh, director Weiner. It's really sad. So the, the movie, yeah. uh, it, it had a poor launch and it made $10 million in theaters. And I'm sure it cost a lot more than that. So it's very sad. While it's very kind of traditional Hollywood style of writing, it is well written. Like every single character has their own little arc. It's suspenseful and it's got a nice resolution and, you know. I have a few theories about this movie. The main one is that Jinx, he was either trying to hurt or kill or harm people or doing it by accident, but he only started doing it after Max fixed him. Okay. He may have been possibly trying to kill everyone in the shuttle, whether on purpose or inadvertently. <laughs> um, my other theory is that they all would have died in space. I mean, the premise is fairly unbelievable, but I can, uh, yeah, like, so you're saying he's like a, a HAL 9000 like malfunctioning robot right. computer entity that for whatever reason, you know, maybe with good intentions, basically tried to kill a bunch of people right. in a spaceship. Specifically, I'm saying one event in the movie kicked off his murderous rampage. And that was when he got broken by all the teenagers who were yelling commands at him and then fixed yes. by Max. So uh, just a little background on this movie. It's about a space camp. 
There's this lady astronaut named Andy who's never actually been to space, I think. Yeah, she's never been to space. They make friends with this robot and then they go to a shuttle, which is going to do like a test run of its engines. The robot causes it to malfunction and it blasts off into space. They got to find their way back. That's the movie. When they introduce this robot, the robot's name is Jinx and the young boy is named Max. Okay. Jinx, they say, is a prototype maintenance droid for the space station. And this is interesting. So this movie is actually like, it's not our world. It is a sci-fi world because there is some random space station called the Daedalus Space Station, which does not exist right. in real life. Nope. And there are sentient robots like, uh, like Jinx. <laughs> right. But interestingly enough, the space station is under construction. So it's not very far in the future, you know? Right, like, right. It, like, you know, it's not a future sci-fi movie with high tech or anything. It is our world, but with two extra things, which is a space station and a robot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and of course, in our world things. now, we do have space stations and robots. Yeah, not, not <laughs> robots like Jinx. They say he was a maintenance droid for the space station, but he's not going up because they, quote, unquote, blew it on his shielding. I'm not sure what that means. I guess maybe radiation from the sun can cause damage to him. I don't know. Maybe like shielding from peer pressure. That's why <laughs> that, you I, ignore that's, all the people. <laughs> that's a reasonable explanation based on how he acts in this movie. But they say specifically his chips become unpredictable after about two hours. Okay. I don't know what that means. Two hours of what? Because he's always running. Watching this movie, I think what that means it was is that it was written by people who don't understand robots or computers. The interesting thing here is that they seem to think that Jinx is amazing and interesting because he is a robot. What is actually an amazing and interesting about Jinx is his artificial intelligence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it do literally doesn't matter what body you put his intelligence into. His artificial intelligence is insane. <laughs> like nothing like that exists. Right. He is he is as we talked about before an artificial general intelligent robot. <laughs> right. And I'm sure you will talk about this later, but in their world there is another artificially intelligent yes. computer called Sorry. NASA. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing for this sci-fi sci world. There is artificial intelligence and it's in robots and computers. <laughs> so Right, and it's not impressive. Good shielding would have been impressive, but, you know, AI, whatever. Right. Like this robot, they built it and then we're just like, mm, OK, whatever. Let's have him do random tasks around. <laughs> like he doesn't do anything. He just rolls around talking to people and handing right. them wrenches well, sometimes. In your hand. <laughs> yep. As a kid, I thought that was hilarious. Dude, like, me too. Oh, that was the funniest yep. joke. <laughs> Our viewers have no idea how often we quoted that line. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And still I mean, do. Like, it was so funny. It was in his hand because he put it in his hand. Dude. That's where it was. <laughs> well, that takes me to my next point. So right about that part of the movie, they say, he's such a complex piece of machinery. NASA hasn't been able to iron out all the bugs. Uh, he's the world's only $27 million handyman. He's also quite literal. And that's important <laughs> for this theory. Just backing up slightly, there was one thing I wanted to say just before this when she meets all of her students. So when Andy meets Tish, she is not very nice in that scene to she Tish. She was nice to anyone. Tish is like, so, says something about like, I want to, you know, search for intelligent life. And then staring right at Tish, she says, I know the feeling. Yeah. Implying that Tish is unintelligent. <laughs> and, and Tish totally notices too. Like the actor kind of gives her a look, you know? <laughs> 
This is actually why I liked Andy, is I feel she's actually a very complex character. But if she were just a nice teacher, I wouldn't be interested in her. But because she's like taking revenge on Leah Thompson's yeah. character just right off the bat, right. like, okay. I'm like, wow, this lady is like so, serious. <laughs> let's walk through this whole scene because I got a lot to say about this scene. So, for, and this has nothing to do with my theory, by the way. <laughs> she's, she's talking to all of her students that will be in her class. And she talks to Catherine, who is Leah Thompson. Catherine loves her. Catherine knows who she yeah. is and is like, wow, it's you. What are you doing here? And then, you know, she asks Catherine <laughs> what she wants to do. And Catherine's like, I want to be the shuttle commander. And she's like, you're the pilot. First of all, though, we, we, we have to talk about, so Leah Thompson's character, she knows who Andy is. She knows who Andy is and thinks she's great and knows that Andy is an amazing pilot yes. for NASA who wants to be the first woman in space, yes. right? And then she asks her the question, what are you doing here? Which, of course, is like a jab at Andy, whether she intended it or not, because what is she doing at space camp? She was supposed to be in space right now, but she wasn't let into space, so she has to be at space camp. So, of course, Andy is, is in insulted by yeah, that. Yeah, but isn't that a valid question still? Like whether right. it's a jab whether or Whether it was not, intentional or not. To take but it as then offensive. when Andy's talking to Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson says, I want to be the first woman pilot in space, which Leah Thompson knows is what Andy wants to do. And Andy is way further in her in her career than Leah Thompson is, right? Yeah. So I so, think understandably, Andy gets, who is already in a bad mood, gets in a worse mood because of that comment. Dude, no. Whether this it was is like going up to Michael Jordan in his prime. And you know that Michael Jordan wants to score 200 baskets in one game. And then he says, so what do you want to do, kid? And you say, I want to be the first athlete to score 200 baskets in one game. It's not offensive just because you want to do it too, <laughs> well, right? It is if Michael Jordan was just fired from being a pro basketball player to go to like basketball player camp with a bunch of little kids. <sighs> well, I think that Andy is a very complex and interesting character. And what I liked about that part with Leah Thompson, she's trying to actually teach Leah Thompson a lesson which is the same lesson that she has had to learn is that you don't always get what you want. She wanted to be in space. She can't go to space. So she's going to teach Leah Thompson that you're not going to be the first captain. You're going to be the pilot or whatever. Yeah, well, Leah know? Thompson is pursuing a career path. And it's not up to Andy to decide Leah Thompson's career path. Well, but it is. She's the teacher. It is up to her to decide her career path because she's the one who chooses their career paths. Catherine is there because she wants to learn about this one specific aspect of space travel so that she can do it later in her life. But she is also there to try to, to teach them things, right? She probably sees that Kevin maybe needs a little bit more leadership skills. And so she gives him the leadership position. The one thing we know about Leah Thompson is that she is a good pilot. She flies to space camp in an airplane. And by the way, space camp apparently has a runway right yeah, next right to there, it, right its, right its next parking, to parking lot. lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you wanted to fly there. I think it makes sense that she puts Leah Thompson in the role of pilot, right? Because Leah Thompson is a pilot. I think it makes no sense because Leah Thompson is there to learn a skill and that skill is not what she's being allowed to learn. Right, but I'm saying this makes her, I think, a good character because she is consistent in her emotion. She didn't get what she wanted, and now none of these kids are going to get what they want. Hey, did <laughs> I say she's up, not she a may, good character? Right. She is definitely but a good character. She may she's be just a horrible not person. the nicest person, <laughs> but I like her as a character. She was also really mean to Trish, like you said, and she wasn't very nice to Rudy either. Uh, she treated yeah, him she like... Was, she was not nice to Rudy. Yeah. And it's the worst because she treats Trish like an idiot. And it turns out Trish is actually extremely intelligent. Yeah, Trish is really smart. She's the smartest person there. And nothing ever comes from that. 
all right, back to my theory. Uh, at one point in the movie, Jinx is hiding in Max's closet for unknown reasons. I don't know why Jinx just hangs out in well, Max's closet. Max put him there. Yeah, because they were like, "Why is Max he allowed got to do something this? in there?" It seems like people would I, have stuff. I don't for think Jinx he's to allowed do. to. I think that's why he was hiding the, him in the closet. Like he wasn't supposed to have the robot there. Okay, and then for the next like three scenes in a row, he's back in the closet <laughs> like all the time. It just it seems yeah. like Jinx should have things to do other than hiding. No, it in the is closet odd that no one cares about this robot. Yes, yeah, he's a $22 million robot. <laughs> People should care. <laughs> so he's in uh, Max's closet. Everyone starts yelling commands at him and he breaks because of he gets too many commands. <laughs> this robot should be able to process multiple commands without breaking. Right. <laughs> like not he like yeah. sparks and shuts down. <laughs> like it's not even like he crashes and needs a reboot. Like he no, physically he, breaks. He has literal <laughs> hardware problems. <laughs> I mean, I get it's true. His chips become unstable. Like th they weren't lying. <laughs> like this is hardware, not software. I mean, maybe a bit of both. Max takes him and fixes him. As he's fixing Jinx, he says, "What a bunch of monkey clowns." He's talking about the the boys who broke Jinx. He says, "They ought to be zapped." Jinx, now fixed, starts to leave. And Max says, hey, where are you going? And Jinx says, to zap them while spraying sparks everywhere. Uh, so once again, here's, here's an uh, example of Jinx taking things literally. So this is where Max fixes Jinx and Jinx goes haywire. Up to this point, Jinx had never showed any animosity or even ability to hurt anyone. The instant he's fixed, he rolls off to go and kill some kids. <laughs> so uh, mm -hmm. there you go. Yes. That's that's the start of my theory. Um, Is that also the end of your theory? Because <laughs> more or less, <laughs> seems pretty much confirmed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I got I got a few more points. Um, just so this scene wraps up with uh, Max. Uh, he he kind of like gives Jinx a hug. Hug, and he says, "You know, you're really neat, Jinx." And Jinx says, "You too, Max." And then Max says, "Friends forever." And Jinx says, "Friends forever." Now remember, Jinx takes things literally. Right. So Jinx, he's in Max's closet again. He tells Kevin the secret way to get to the launch pad so he can go on a date with Catherine. But then Andy comes looking for, uh, for Kevin because he's skipping out on curfew. And Jinx tells Andy where Kevin is. Oh, no. They catch him and Catherine skipping curfew. Kevin comes home, chews out Max, and Jinx is listening this whole time. Max runs away to be alone, and Jinx follows him. At this point, Max says, I wish I were far away. I wish I were anywhere except for here. I wish I was in space. And then he cries and says, I wish I was in space over and over. Jinx is watching this, and then he wheels away. Max and Jinx never interact with or see each other again after this point of the movie. <laughs> So that right. was interesting because I thought this kid and this robot did a lot more together than that. Nope. <laughs> That's it for their relationship pretty much. I mean, yeah. And uh, as far as the robot is concerned, you know, Max is going to die, but he will get his wish. Yeah, they'll <laughs> be friends forever. Um, okay. So Jinx then goes to talk to a sentient computer called NASA. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, this computer is the most strange mystery of the movie. I don't know what this computer is, why it always sits in a dark room being unused, why someone right. installed why a sentient computer. Why it talks like computer. the master control program. <laughs> yeah. No, this computer is very strange, but only Jinx ever uses it. 
Uh, Jinx says, put Max in space. And NASA says, there is no Max listed in astronaut program. Interesting thing to note. Uh, there is now. <laughs> yes, then Jinx says, there is now. This has no effect on the movie. <laughs> it doesn't matter that Jinx put Max into the astronaut program. <laughs> that literally makes no difference in the movie. <laughs> so I don't right. know why that seems But also, clear. like, that robot can just plug into a port and just add people to the astronaut program, apparently. Yeah, Jinx is pretty powerful. I know this was the 80s, but they apparently don't have any, like... Um, Security? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, either that or um, maybe Jinx can connect to the key store, uh, get the key that he needs to elevate his privileges or log into someone else's account. He can get the admin account access or something. I don't know. We don't know how Jinx does this, but uh, NASA, the computer, scrolls through a list of people while it's searching the database. It seems to be a real list of actual astronauts. Uh, it includes some deceased astronauts that I checked, and they are actually dead, or they were at the time of the movie. That list does include one member of the Challenger crew, Ronald oh. E. McNair, and it did not list him as deceased. <laughs> it listed him as flight. Okay. Um, well, that's good. So in, anyway, that's interesting. Jinx is talking to NASA about possibilities of getting NASA into space. He says, how can we change engine test into liftoff? Uh, NASA says, worst case scenario, thermal curtain failure. Uh, he describes that if one engine has a thermal curtain failure, they will explode or be forced to ignite the second booster and launch. Yeah. Jinx doesn't seem to, I mean, he, he kind of a little objects, like he says it's unacceptable for them to explode, but then immediately goes along with it. <laughs> like he, he asks, What's the possibility of a thermal curtain failure? And then NASA says one will happen every 4.9 million years. Right. At which point Max, won't live, says, Max won't live that long. Max needs thermal curtain failure. Max and Jinx friends forever. <laughs> um, this, this robot is insane. Right. It's a homicidal robot. Well, he wants to either send Max to space or kill him. He knows that that <laughs> is the outcome here. Yeah. Either space or death. <laughs> and he seems to be reassuring himself by saying Max and Jinx friends forever. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I think well, he, like even if Max dies, we're still friends. Right, exactly. <laughs> and also if, he, if Max dies, they can never not be friends because Max can't change that. <laughs> um, yeah. He says to NASA, Max needs thermal curtain failure. Uh, then he jacks into NASA again and says, thermal curtain failure, Max and Jinx friends forever. <laughs> So the right engine starts to fail, and just at the very last second, they decide to initiate the launch sequence and avoid the explosion. Yeah, I know we've already talked about how this NASA computer is a little bit confusing, but like it can access a shuttle that is far away and cause it to have problems. Yeah, I know. Against the will, presumably, of any technicians or anyone else working on that shuttle, right? Yep. Like, it can cause thermal curtain failure remotely. So, that's just strange. This is not a very uh, safe system <laughs> that they have going on here. We'll put it that way. Just to continue with my theory, I have to mention this. This kind of, kind of, sort of counteracts my theory, but Jinx does show that he is interested in Max's survival. Uh, he's talking to NASA la later, and NASA tells him uh, re-entry to landing will be 14 hours but estimated oxygen supply is only 11 hours and 56 minutes. Jinx asks, Max will erase? And then NASA says, probability 100%. And then Jinx says, get Max out of space now. How? <laughs> so he, he does <laughs> not want Max to die, I guess, <laughs> if he can help it. But he is a malfunctioning robot who caused a problem with the shuttle that had a very high likelihood of killing everyone. In yes. It. And then even if the problem didn't kill them, 
the following events would kill them. Right? Like he put them in space with no oxygen. Like everything about this was designed to kill them. Interesting thing here. NASA says NASA is working on the problem. Jinx says NASA needs help and then exposes some lights in his body. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> like he, I guess he's like adding his CPU power to NASA to help the, them solve the problem. But I guess they like didn't come wirelessly? up with anything. Because the next time we see Jinx, several scenes later, he's just wandering around aimlessly outside mission control <laughs> saying, Jinx, help NASA. Jinx, help NASA. Over and over. Yeah. <laughs> he's not helping Those NASA. Those were just lights. <laughs> it, it didn't do anything. Right. Like and he realized that at some point. I think this this is a good evidence that he is broken. <laughs> like, he's <laughs> just wandering so. around outside saying, Jinx, help NASA. <laughs> he's not helping NASA. <laughs> Jinx bursts into mission control. He's shouting, Jinx, put Max in space. Jinx will get Max back <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Just confessing to his crime. Right. And I don't know what he plans to do. He has no plan. So uh, Andy's husband says, how would you know about Max, Jinx? And he says, Jinx and Max, friends forever. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> the students are trying to contact mission control using Morse code. Right. They have no radio, so they can't talk to them. Jinx sees it and says... Yo, Max! <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I mean, I guess he, he makes the connection that that is at least the students trying to communicate. It is not Max, but I don't know why he thinks Max can hear him. <laughs> Security comes, they start to pick up Jinx. Andy's husband says, wait a minute, Jinx, how can you help NASA? Jinx just starts reading letters from the Morse code. He says, C-O-M-E-I-N-C-O-N-T-R-O-L, C-O-M-E-I-N-C-O-N-T-R-O-L. And then he reads them and says, come in control, Max's code. <laughs> and then luckily, Andy's husband says, Morse code. Morse code. And then he corrects him again and <laughs> says, Max's, Max's code. code. <laughs> Some very key parts of this robot's programming were replaced with the word Max. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So that, that's about the end of the movie. Uh, he says, Jinx, I'm treating you to a can of oil. Jinx opens his mouth, doesn't say anything. Uh, Mission Control gets the message, and then it just cuts back to Jinx, who's just swiveling his head left and right. And that's the last we see of him. <laughs> so Probably my theory here the is just that from what I've told you, <laughs> Jinx, his... I guess we can call it mental state, um, was degrading seriously yes. from the point he was <laughs> fixed. And at the point that he comes to mission control, he is no longer a functional robot. <laughs> like, no. He's just repeating things and shouting Max, right? Like nothing is working right in his brain anymore. Right. Like he burst in there with no plan to do anything except confess, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like right. he's just lucky he happened to see that button and realize it was morse code that definitely wasn't his plan and also yeah i mean th there's no way he could have known that <laughs> he, he came there with no purpose <laughs> right i mean and also this does not redeem him in any way no he saves them because <laughs> he, he, he caused put this them whole there. thing <laughs> like you don't put someone in mortal peril then save them and be like i'm the hero no <laughs> yep that, that pretty much wraps it up for my theory about jinx uh, he is a very broken right. robot and he broke exactly when they broke him and Max tried yep. to fix him. But of course, <laughs> Max is just a little kid. He doesn't know how to fix this robot. How would this he know how to fix this robot? robot. <laughs> and this is, by the way, my, my best <laughs> evidence is that there's zero possible way that Max could have fixed Jinx. Well, like all he has is like a screwdriver, yes, right? He has one <laughs> screwdriver and he just screws something. <laughs>
Quite possibly, Max did nothing. And we don't know what Max <laughs> did, but uh, either Jinx was broken then, or probably Max broke him more. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I think that's a great theory, and I agree with you. That is one malfunctioning, murderous robot. Yes. So I also have the theory that they would have died in space. Basically, once they got into space, uh, Leah Thompson said, we're, we're going to die. And then the hippie girl, uh, Tish, she says, we're already dead. <laughs> I think they were already dead by that point. Right. You could do a, you could do a, a they were actually dead the whole time theory. Okay. So there's this guy named Chris Haugen. He wrote like a one-page report about space camp, and it happens to be hosted on some university's website. He says there are some key problems with space camp. When they lift off, Catherine doesn't get buckled in and crashes into yeah, the Yeah, that's a problem. Of, right. <laughs> he says that she would have died. When taking off, the shuttle puts three Gs on the astronauts. And since yes. she fell from the top to the back of the shuttle in three times Earth gravity, she would have been seriously hurt. And if Catherine yeah. was dead or injured, she couldn't have piloted them home and they would have died. Maybe Andy could have done it, but Andy was incapacitated, so... Right. The oxygen tank, bigger than any oxygen tank that a scuba diver would ever <laughs> use, right? Like it's huge and it bursts yeah. open and slams Andy into the wall of the payload bay. It should have crushed her. Like the amount of force coming from this giant compressed oxygen tank would have really seriously hurt her, which it did. Yes. I mean, she, she did fall unconscious, but then she got better right away. She should have probably been dead. Also, it should have pushed them off course. Because the force of this oxygen pushing the ship would have made it move, going by, you know, Newton's third law. Another problem is when they set up for re-entry, they go into a spin, and Catherine has trouble getting out of the spin, and then all of a sudden, it's just magically fixed. Right. <laughs> uh, Chris Haugen says that that wouldn't happen. They couldn't just magically fix it like that, and also, even if they did... That spin would have put them way off course from where they were trying to land. They wouldn't have been at White Sands anymore, and they would have had nowhere to land. Yeah. Last thing he says is that when they're landing, Catherine is trying to maintain an angle of attack at 30 degrees. In real life, you want an angle of attack at 40 degrees because any less, and the orbiter skips off the Earth's atmosphere like a rock in a pond you know, when you're skipping stones and bounces back into space. <laughs> Uh -oh. He says this would make <laughs> a huge that. problem because they would bounce back into space at 30 degrees and never return to Earth since they would have the orbit would have been off. They would have had too flat of an orbit. They would have had to somehow like get further away and come back in. And they, they were probably running out of oxygen. And uh, all of those problems show that no matter what, they would have died in space. Both of the pilots got seriously injured and incapacitated or dead. And the pilot, when she did try to land them, did it wrong. <laughs> so. so perhaps the end of the movie is Jinx's hero fantasy. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we don't know what's going on in the mind of that <laughs> they, robot. But. They, like, they died when they were launched. The rest of the movie is in Jinx's head. <laughs> well, he could have imagined himself being a lot smarter and cooler than... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't actually... But, you know, he's very literal. <laughs> it's true. He is very literal. So I actually, I really like survival movies and I really like kids movies and I, re I always have and I always will uh, have a thing for robots. I just got to say, I really do like Space Camp. I think it is a, a really fun survival movie for kids with a robot in it. <laughs> so what's not to like, right? It's got everything. Whatever I have to say about Space Camp, I actually think it's a good movie. I like it. Space Camp is enhanced by the fact that, you know, now we know the robot was... Uh 
Right. It's like a precursor HAL 9000, like you said. Like this robot is going off the rails for, you know, for the rest of the movie after it gets damaged. Right. (laughs) Cool. All right. All right. Well, this has been uh, The Popcorn Isn't Real with me, Torvald, my brother Leif Eric. Thank you so much for listening. Opening music for this episode was provided by Christine. And remember, the popcorn popcorn isn't isn't real. real.